As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Matt Lanfair, and I'll be talking to leaders, entrepreneurs, and heroes to find out what separates them from the rest. We are on a journey to discover principles of leadership, sacrifice, and values. Many are molded and formed by their experience, but some of us are forged. My friend Carl Casarda has a background in InfoSec and hosts InRange TV with Ian McCollum, as well as works on Ian's show Forgotten Weapons. Carl is a panelist on my podcast as often as possible, and I've pestered him to discuss what he's been seeing on the digital side and how this may ultimately be a huge threat to our rights. A while back, uh, we initially started off on Full30.com trying to avoid being part of the YouTube thing entirely. And that was actually where InRange started, and we were on that for a year. And it was a lesson to be learned that regardless of Whatever full 30s faults are or are not, the reality is, is that um, unless you're on YouTube, you might as well live in a dark, dank hole and no one cares about you or will ever know that you exist. So uh, we landed up moving over to YouTube as well. And that was actually our first portion of decentralization, because at that point, not intentionally for any type of mitigation against some sort of Internet shenanigans, just happened to work out that way. We were now on full 30 and on YouTube and it was it didn't take long for the YouTube channel to grow very quickly and surpass the small amount of subscriptions that we had on Full30 to ridiculous volumes. We're talking exponential growth versus trickle growth. Um, and YouTube is what allowed the project to succeed in terms of having any type of progress. So to succeed in any type of media content, you need people willing to consume the content. And for people to consume the content and to find out if they want the content, they got to know that the content exists. And in that regard, YouTube really does a wonderful service to not just the internet, but the world in that they originally built a platform that provided an opportunity for anyone that had a good idea or creativity or good work to put that out there. And then through their algorithms, which are not always a bad thing, or through association from likes, dislikes, etc., cetera, uh, associate people with the type of things they want to watch and then promote that type of content to other viewers, which was this interesting inorganic Uh, way of content growing and getting a subscriber base because before that the only thing you had was organic putting ads in the newspaper or getting friends and family to tell hey i saw this cool thing why don't you check it out well that works over decades it kind of reinforces the american dream it, it, oh, it's a fantastic thing. And YouTube for YouTube has been definitely net gain, not net negative over the duration of the time of its existence. So we started that and we grew quickly. And the typical monetization method for YouTube, because creating video content, audio content, media content of any volume or quality, for the most part, unless you're willing to record it on a potato and don't care about the fact that you're throwing it out there as just me too kind of stuff. If you're trying to make a 
a prosumer level attempt at best at it, it's expensive and time and close and time intensive and all those things get together. So you got to find a way to fund the project unless it's a labor of love so much so that you're willing to lose money and time and life in the process. And that was not the goal. And so, yeah, we monetized just like most people did on it on YouTube. YouTube had a model that at one point seemed really safe and sane and reasonable. If you had a certain number of subscribers and you had content that wasn't implicitly and explicitly bad, you could monetize it and they would just associate you with advertisers. So this thing called AdSense was this intermediary between you and the advertisers and people would come and say, hey, I want to advertise on your network that gets lots of viewers and they would buy ads time and they would put ads on the network and then YouTube would just take an ad, put it next to a video, plug them together, show them to someone as pre-roll or mid-roll or post-roll. And then at the end of that, they would generate so much income for thousands, for thousands of views. And the more viewers you had, the more ads you ran, the more ads you ran, the more money you made. And bam, there was a partnership between YouTube and the content creator. Money to be made for everyone in an interesting algorithm, in an interesting way, and in a situation in which the viewer themselves, with the exception of their soul being stole by looking at advertising, didn't have to pay anything to do it. And that worked out well for a long time, actually. It worked out for years. Um, and yes, sometimes ads would get next to content that maybe the advertiser didn't exactly feel was something that they wanted associated with their brand. But the concept of adult rules apply here. And an average, average, a person of average intelligence and intellectual capabilities should realize that an ad running in front of a random video on a distribution network like YouTube does not mean that Coca-Cola necessarily supports you know, depleted uranium processing. Um, but mm, we've come to a place in time in social history and in the zeitgeist in which people can't seem to make that distinction and they want to make the claim that Coca-Cola now supports uranium production and therefore Coca-Cola would go to YouTube and say, hey, we can't be in front of these educational uranium videos anymore because our viewers don't, our, your, our consumers think that we're now promoting nuclear warfare. And so YouTube reacts because the real, um, the real customer for YouTube and any advertising model for that matter isn't the consumer, the, it is their advertiser. And so they respond in a somewhat knee-jerk way and start the ad apocalypse, which we saw happening a couple times now. Started most notably with PewDiePie, which is a video gamer, but it, it, it affected everyone. It hit firearms content, it hit, it, uh, it hit everything. And people go, oh, it's guns. It's not, it hit all sorts of stuff. It hit educational content, it hit, um, it hit firearms content, it hit political pundits on both sides of the fence. It hit LGBTQ content, which tells you this is not a gun thing. It's hitting everybody. And so by demonetizing, suddenly your ability to generate sufficient revenue to make this project viable went with it. Um, and there was question, will it come back? Will it not come back and all that? And at that point, in a long-winded session, a lot of people have been struggling with trying to keep their content monetized, some more successful than others doing this thing where they'll like re review it, request for review, change the content, maybe change the audio, take out a thumbnail, whatever these gyrations are to make the Coca-Cola company happy. And in range, uh, my, my project with Ian, uh, deci I decided um, I don't want to play that game. And the actual um, model of advertising that, that this type of model of advertising tends to have an insidious effect on what the content creators decides to do with their content. Like we make this content exactly 10 minutes, 30 seconds long. And we do this and we do that because that way we get the most advertisers, which isn't the, the box I want to be jammed into. So we de demonetized all of our stuff proactively. Instead of fighting with YouTube about what can or cannot be monetized, fine, our content isn't advertiser friendly. I'll advertise myself. So we went to Patreon, de-advertised, de demonetized ourselves, no longer request any monetization and figured, okay, fine, YouTube. Yeah, you've kind of pushed us into this little hole a little bit, but 
we'll find another way. And we started doing that. And Patreon came through. The actual viewers said, we like this enough. And hopefully they would do that for other content creators. And the Patreon has been able to sustain the project in a great way. Uh, but then they didn't stop there. They decided, ah, you know, yeah, okay, we're you're not monetized anymore. But your content seems kind of weird. So we're going to do this thing and we're going to put it into restricted mode. So whether or not this video is restricted or that video is restricted, my channel goes to restricted mode. So a video where we're literally doing a book review now wants you to be logged in and age restricted versus a video where we're showing how to fire a car 98K versus how we're just talking about, I don't know, um, uh, the history of some battle in World War II. But all of those things get thrown under this broad brush of a channel is now community and age restricted. So that pushes it further down into this subjugated mode. And it's not per video so much as just in general, they kind of broad brush it. And it's very interesting. I've been doing some research recently of the, I think it was the 1985 or 86 Senate hearings with Frank Zappa and others who were talking to the Senate about people trying to put regulatory control and um, uh, over music. Um, you know, the MPAA already existed and there was, you know, PGG, PG-13, well, actually that didn't exist yet, R rating, X rating for, for, for movies. And um, they wanted to do the same thing to music and put different ratings on different types of albums. And one of the things that Frank Zappa brought up being a real luminary in terms of the free speech movement back then was he said, well, okay, movies, there's like 300 movies per year you have to review, whether I agree with you, I'm paraphrasing him, but whether I agree with your reviews of what you do to the movies or not, there's like 40,000 songs per year. How are you gonna be able to do all the analysis on those? Which is the same problem YouTube is facing now with the amount of video content because they can't have a human look at all of it. The other thing is, what if my album has nine songs on it that are completely, they're children's songs and the 10th song is an adult song. Is my whole album now content restricted? Well, guess what? That's how that's working. So this problem, 1980, whatever, today, technology's changed, the same moral panic over content is still existing. And so that's going on with that. So now they push us down into this restricted mode. And then I start hearing things like, oh, viewers that were subscribed, their subscriptions just disappear. They're no longer subscribed to InRange. Or they're subscribed and they don't get the notification. Or YouTube insta installs this thing of, yeah, you can subscribe, but if you want notifications, you got to double subscribe by hitting the bell next to the subscribe to make sure you get notifications for the channel you already subscribed for. And they're doing this as all this, I don't know that it's malicious, but it's this weird thing that the bias is there whether it's malicious or not and it starts pushing down and tamping down whatever the the culture i said this word earlier but whatever the cultural wave is of the moment that's the stuff that gets tamped down firearms being on that wave right now so it's getting tamped down and so now that's going on and then they deprioritize so now the advantage of youtube in which by being on there got you new subscribers uh starts diminishing because they don't promote the content to new people. So now all of a sudden you see your subscriber numbers growing and then they plateau and then their algorithm or whatever's going on with their backend that's broken, they actually start to creating or doing this because unless you can find a way to organically keep that moving in spite of their AI pushing you down, you're gonna slowly either just maintain or degrade. So now that's another problem. So with that all going on, realizing that this is, whether this is their intended goal or not, the future of the fate of this type of content on this network is dubious at best. We were we started decentralizing within range our content all over the place because I'm an infosec guy. I worked in information security, encryption, all this stuff. And 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 anyone that actually works in physical security should know this as well. It's layers of redundancy, right? You have 
a barbed wire fence, you have another fence, you have a DMZ between it, you have a physical wall, you have a machine gun on top of the wall. These are all layers to one defense. It's the same thing here. So, okay, fine, we've got, we, we've changed our monetization, although that needs to be somewhat decentralized too, but Patreon so far has been good to us. But in terms of the video distribution, if I can keep the audience engaged and their support, don't lose that. And YouTube one day decides to everything, guess what? At least at best, what I can do is say, hey, Patreon supporters, please pivot and shift to networks X, Y, and Z. And at that point, uh, yeah, it's gonna be a knife fight in a, in, a, in a phone booth because some of those people are gonna start trickling off because I can't keep growing potential supporters. Cause you know, supporters only last so long. Some will last a lifetime. Some will last a couple of years. Some eventually go, ah, I'm tired of gun content. I'm now interested in marbles. And they go to look at the marble channel and they drop their Patreon for your channel and go to the marble channel, which is fine. That's natural and normal. But so that means you gotta constantly refresh that so you don't drop off. So now you have this challenge, but at least I could pivot the ones I have and go, all right, you haven't lost the ability to watch. You can watch on these three. And we've been trying to constantly find the right answers of terms of where to distribute this content to actually get people to watch it that isn't YouTube. Now, I put it on, I, I initially we were on Full30 and, and YouTube. What's the next biggest social media thingy? Well, Facebook, Facebook right? Yeah. Facebook. So, so I started putting the videos on Facebook. People go, ah, Facebook hates guns. Maybe they do, but you know what they haven't done? They haven't done the stuff that YouTube's done to me yet. They might deprioritize yet. the in-range training. I said yet, yeah. but but they haven't yet. They haven't done the same stuff. And I think the reason we don't see them do it, I know they've done shenanigans. I get it. I know. I know that. But I think the reason you don't see that happening yet is because they right now want to be a competitor to YouTube. So it's funny how that works. Suddenly, even if they hate your content, I bet you, just thinking here, and this is just me postulatizing, um, I yeah, will be more lenient on that stuff right now because YouTube's mucking with it. Like that, that, that's only from my experience. I know some of you out there have had others. I can't speak for that. So we put it on Facebook as well. Then I started looking for other alternatives. There was one called vid.me, vidme, technologically awesome. Um, it acted exactly like YouTube. It had a content creator thing. It had apps for mobile devices. Everything about it felt exactly like YouTube, except it wasn't YouTube. And people could tip you on there. There was all sorts of neat stuff on vidme really liked it in terms of its technology. And I started putting video there. And then I found another one called BitChute, which sounds terrible name, B-I-T-C-U-H-T-E, bit as in a shoot, BitChute. Um, and that one is based on something called WebTorrent, which I think is a very compelling argument and that it's peer-to-peer -peer video sharing with a seed. So what that means is you put your stuff on BitChute and yeah, they have to have funding to be able to support the initial video. But once people start watching it, Everybody watching it with their browser open at that moment becomes a web torrent peer. And the more viewers you have watching your content geographically distributed, suddenly their bandwidth costs drop to nothing because it starts becoming fragmented seeded to everyone watching it. And it becomes a web of sharing of that video content. That The big thing about video content distribution is it's too expensive. And that's why things like YouTube exist because they have the money to keep it alive. So BitChute's ability to do this with web torrent and peer-to-peer -peer technology diminishes their overhead so much that it makes them a very compelling technical argument. And I think that that's a really interesting thing. Now, what's really more interesting about this though, is that when you're marginalized content and you start, whether we should be marginalized or not, isn't the point. When you're marginalized content and you start putting your content on alternative distribution points, you start being associated not intentionally, and hopefully not by the viewer. The same thing comes back to why is Coke promoting depleted uranium reserves? The same thing happens when you get on these networks. So I put my content on BitChute, and guess what's on BitChute? A lot of really weird stuff. Um, stuff I'm not even gonna say bad about, but weird stuff. And 
Some of it is stuff I absolutely have do not like and find unsavory, but that's free speech. And so tell people, people, I had people go, I went to BitChute and I saw this. I can't watch you there because of this. And I'm like, I have nothing to do with that. It's a content distribution network. But for some reason that didn't happen with YouTube. Even the YouTube's got raving lunatics all over it. People's promoting drinking turpentine for better health. China's making the mark of the beast. All this stuff that's just like, what the heck is this stuff? And that's all over YouTube. But for some reason, YouTube's seen as not associating your content with that when you're on it. But when you're on BitChute next to the reptilian overlords are taking over the local Waffle House is associated with your content because it's on BitChute. I don't understand how that works. But this is all coming to where this went to. These are all learning experiences, right? So for the people that can differentiate, we're on all those networks. Now, VidMe was doing well in terms of technically, technologically, VidMe lost its funding, <laughs> explodes. So we went from four back down to three, right? Because, or, or yeah, five down to four, excuse me. And because they could not compete with things like YouTube. So months ago now, I'm looking at this and I'm like, and, and I know the audience is gonna have consternation on this, some of it, and that's fine. But here's the thing, I'm looking at this and I'm like, What's another version of marginalized content that's had to find its own way to survive in the world? Pornography. Um, and I, whether you're a consumer of this product or not isn't my point. And I think if you're listening to this conversation, you're going to see a consistent line of thought throughout it. And if that's the case, and it's human vice, which means human vice always has money, <laughs> always will find a way and has resources. And they've got their own networks built, which, by the way, are technologically capable of competing with things like YouTube. Um, I opened a channel there three months ago, but I didn't put any content on it. I just created the channel. I looked at it and I was like, this is interesting. I don't know what to do with this. I'm going to look at this and sit on it for a while. Uploaded a video, see if it would actually work. It did. Uh, I played, it played real well. And now granted all the thumbnails or stuff are pretty wild, but uh, I'm like, huh. And then YouTube recently, uh, 25 days ago now, 24, I don't even remember what it is. There's a time bomb ticking right this minute. Puts out a new policy about firearms a policy on firearms content on YouTube. Clearly based again on whatever the zeitgeist and cultural movement is of the time, one could argue a moral panic. Um, and as a result, they, they will respond to that. You have seen YouTube respond to this in other ways in the past, although it's not as significant to people like us. There was a the, 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 the comical and stupid Tide Pod thing. There were people putting videos, but there was a YouTube attempt to get rid of Tide Pod content on YouTube. Because, well, it's dangerous. All right, all right, right. But still interesting. Let's let's tie that together. But now the moral panic, it's definitely right now, there is one growing of a large volume and magnitude about firearms-related topics. Although not necessarily about firearms-related content, but topic for sure. So my videos in and of themselves are just bits of zeros and ones that are a video about using guns or stuff related to guns or information about how guns were used in the past. The video in and of itself cannot do anything besides be a video. It's not a physical object. So they put out this this new policy and the policy is very nondescript. It says something along the lines of it mentions bump stocks. Fine. It mentions acceleration devices. I'm not saying fine because I agree. I'm saying fine because not surprised. OK, so bump stocks, acceleration devices. But it also mentions things like um, or other accessories. It also mentions things along the lines of linking to people who sell places that sell accessories, which all firearms related content providers, unless they're dealing with extremely except unless they're talking about only ancient stuff, do that because we buy stuff from people to do stuff on our videos or sometimes get stuff T and E or whatever. And part of that relationship is to link to them. Um, and it's not always guns. It could be an optic, it could be a magazine, it could be something else. 
And so when I see link to accessories or sales of accessories, um, that is so broad in its scope, it could mean that 25 days from now, nothing happens and uh, in range is unaffected. It could mean that um, they do what they did with previous videos and they go, you know, that was community acceptable four years ago, but it's not community acceptable five, five years today. And we're gonna go back and go, oh, these four videos we did in 2014, community strike, boop, 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 and the channel collapses. That happened, most, kind of happened kind of famously to Demolition Ranch. He had some videos where he had manipulated, he had modified some homemade shotgun shells four years ago, and they suddenly decided it was dangerous behavior, a dangerous video, four years later, and his channel almost fell off the network because of that. So w that's a really dangerous concept of community acceptable today, not community acceptable tomorrow. You cross the line and suddenly retroactive criminal punishment. I'm not gonna say that's not un-American, it's just not even sensical or logical. All right, so, and because YouTube, of course, is international. So with that going on, the history of the deprioritization, losing subscribers, their, their clear um, inability to make the standard policies that are definable and understandable, making rules that are dubious at best, applying them in ways that are inconsistent based on maybe the size of your network or whoever's behind you or whatever, all that together, plus this new policy, paints a really grim picture. And when I when I look at that, I'm like, so, if, if, if none of this happens and it doesn't do anything to me, fine. But if it does, now is the time to push the other button. And I was talking to Athias from CNR, so we, we joke around once in a while, and he was playing around with some pictures of him doing stuff on Pornhub. I'm like, why am I waiting? Let's just do this. And because the association is not, there's not an association between the different types of content, but the way this content is treated is being treated the same. So why don't I just do it? So I launched the channel on Pornhub and started putting up some legacy content which were pertinent to my digital rights message for example my fahrenheit 451 and digital decay video where they delete content that existed before that went up um at the most recent hudson 9 versus glock video went up which by the way has video has views not far off from that of youtube um which right then when i saw the hudson 9 versus glock video not matching but getting close to youtube style numbers in terms of viewership means that this thing about that network being viable was real. Um, and I'm gonna to continue to publish there. Now I realize that here's the thing, that may not be the network for you. And if that's not the network for you, go watch it on the other four distribution networks I have. BitChute, Full30, Facebook, and YouTube. We're gonna be on YouTube until they kick us off. I'm not kicking YouTube off, they're kicking us off potentially because I want YouTube to fix itself. YouTube of old days was this amazing thing that's become the live, the digital library of Alexandria of the internet. And right now there are people in YouTube and in Facebook and other parts of this oligarchy of corporate control over the internet that have decided for whatever reason to use this concept of community standards to set fire to books in the library of Alexandria. Whether you like the books that are in the library or not isn't relevant, to destroy them is an immoral behavior. And there are books in the local library that are very distasteful, many of them. You go in there, you're gonna find books that you don't like, but they're books, they're knowledge, they're education, even if it's something that's oppositional. And to destroy it when you are the caretakers of that archive willingly is, I cannot even fathom that. And so that's the point I'm trying to make with this. And there's more coming. Do you wanna keep going, Matt, or what? Well, you know, there are two things that I, I, uh, I wanna bring up. I really liked your quote about who you're not not necessarily who you're associating with who's around you in those different networks mm -hmm. so comparing bit shoot to pornhub oh I thought, 
Okay, you're talking about the, the the the. It was actually YouTube that I compared to Pornhub. Um, there was um there were I put up a, a graphic. I'm I'm trying to make the, when people keep making that association, it really bothers me because it's not a fair one. It's the same illogical argument that the advertisers make when they say that their advertising is in front of something they don't approve of. It's not associative, uh, but not in the new world, right? Not in this digital world. But when people make that, so then you're making the same argument that the advertisers made, which is why they're doing this in the first place. So we're falling into their trap, right? So I made a picture that was, um, it was honestly, it was YouTube. It was uh, Alex Jones and Infowars, who I believe to be a dangerous purveyor of, of, of. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, pseudoscience and uh, anti-intellectualism. And if you don't like that, you're not my audience. So I don't care that I lose you. Um, so I put up a thumbnail of his picture and it was it was an RFID chip in a hand, which is used for identification. Now, you may not agree with that or not. That's fine. But it was a picture of that. And it was China instigates the mark of the Antichrist or mark of the beast, Antichrist. And and that was his thumbnail. And that was on YouTube right next to my content. And by the way, other stuff on his channel is other insane stuff like um, uh, homeopathic cures for fluoride making frogs gay and stuff. Okay, just insane stuff. And then seriously, and then next to that, I, I went on the Pornhub and I found a safe for work picture of a attractive woman in lingerie saying, sitting on a bed. And I put her picture next to that thumbnail from the Mark of the Beast Infowars. And I'm like, Pornhub is fringe content, right? Which one would you rather be associated with? And whether you like Pornhub or think pornography is a blight, I, I, I get that. But if you're going to compare fluorides are turning the frogs gay and the amount of damage that's done to our society from a psychological perspective versus, yes, there might be issues with pornography depending on your belief system, but at least that's not that. If you're going to associate me with that by just being next to it, I'd rather next be next to the brunette in the lingerie, quite honestly. And not necessarily physically, but... Talk about the content. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, when, again, marginalized content is marginalized. And when you, you therefore land up having to be in the same dark alley, whether you should be or not. I'm not saying porn should be in a dark alley. I'm not saying it shouldn't be. I don't know. That's for you to decide. That's not my call. I can tell you my personal opinion. It's irrelevant. That's your opinion. But 
once you marginalize anything, if you marginalize, you're going to put it somewhere else. And where that somewhere else is, is outside of the normal world. And therefore, they all get stuck together in this weird bubble. And that's the point. That viewpoint is not shared by many, especially with those, well, with the people that are kind of anti-gun. They don't kind of, they think their way or the highway, it seems. Well, I'll be honest with you, Matt. I feel like I see that on both sides. Um, mm-hmm. Let me tell you why. So so what I say by that is, um, again, coming back to the pornographic side of this, I get not a lot, but there's a, been a subset of messages from people saying I that they won't watch that, that network. Oh, oh, fine. Watch the other four. I'm, you know what? That's fine. This is this is pluralism. This is not you. I am going to force you to sit on this network and watch my content with that around it. That's not it. You can watch it on four other networks that have that are not that. This is this is the idea that I've gotten messages from uh, not a large number, but enough of a number that this recurring theme of I will no longer support you. I am pulling my support. I will no longer watch this channel because if you you have associated yourself with that content that I feel is so destructive to the world that blah, 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 blah. Well, one, I haven't associated myself with that. I'm on a content distribution network. There's no pornography on InRange TV. It's a channel on a network distributing bits, zeros and ones. I happen to be next to that content on their distribution network because I put it there, but I also have four others. That is not association with that content. It is a distribution network that happens to have built itself to be large enough because of them being marginalized in the first place. If you hadn't marginalized them in the first place, they probably wouldn't have their own network for me to put it on. <laughs> so that that's why that's there. And so when you say, not you, but when someone says, I am going to pull support from you guys, because that content sits on a content distribution network that also has the brunette and the lingerie in it, in my opinion, that's the same anti-free speech argument I see from the other side. Because I don't have to like it. I don't have to watch it. That doesn't mean I have to persecute it. And it doesn't mean I have to make it illegal. Oh, my point, though, was your the way you described it, which I really like. It's, you know, if you don't like it, okay. That's, that's pluralism. I mean, if I were to move the whole network only to there, and the yeah. sole provider of all of my content from here on out was Pornhub, you would have a point that that is not it. It is another content distribution network that has the power, literally has potentially the power to fight this incredible destructive corporate oligarchy that, that as if we continue to allow it as the consumers, not them, they're not really doing anything that we haven't given them the power to do. Everyone mm-hmm. not being willing to move away from YouTube makes YouTube that powerhouse. Yep. Everyone being glued to Facebook all day long makes Facebook a powerhouse. And I'm not even saying they're bad things. I don't know. I'm just saying we've given them that power. And when after four years plus on InRange, four, more than four, of trying to get people to watch content somewhere else than YouTube, I learned that was an impossible task. I cannot do it. And since so what that means is I am not in a position of power as the content creator to manipulate this conversation. The viewers are. All I can do is provide options to the viewers and the viewers can then choose the options that suit them best. And if we can find an option that actually finally puts us in a situation in which we can at least make YouTube think for a moment, then that's a good solution. So it's on me as the content creator, us or whoever, to provide options. And it's on to the content consumer who actually holds the power to wield the power. And as of this moment, whether people like it or not, Pornhub numbers are showing up pretty well. Now, I'm going to be interested to hear what the stats are a couple months from now. 
Oh, I agree with that. Now, yeah. let me say this as well. So Katie, who's apparently the public relations or one of the public relations individuals for Pornhub, was um, there was a Reddit thread recently. And it's, it's a quote we can't read a lot into, but there was a quote from her saying something along the lines of, we are considering the idea of having a network that is a safe for, say, a non-pornographic related network. Good. Guess what that would be? That would be an actual competitor, something yeah. real, because the infrastructure exists. And that means that capitalism is great until there's no competition, right? So this is something I said to someone else fairly recently. They're like, well, you know, the libertarian I appeal to this idea is that, well, competition should mean that YouTube can't do what they're doing. And it's true that there are alternatives. And I, I mentioned in this, the beginning of our discussion here how many of them we've tried already. But when the small number of nation state size corporations own the percentage that they do, that's no longer capitalism in terms of competition. It's it's monopoly, whether we allow it or not. And that means that while in theory you are correct, in practice you are wrong. They manipulate and control the entire conversation. And when you are the conversation that's on the marginalized side of the fence, if they decide that you're not allowed to have the conversation that you think needs to be had, even if you're right, they can shift that however they see fit. Today it might be guns, tomorrow it might be something else. And if we don't do something about it now, which is, is getting dangerously worse every day, and we can talk about that more in a moment, um, then we are going to find ourselves in that dystopian future of the internet controlling the entire hive mind. I got two things for you on that. Three, now that you just said the dystopian thing, you know, it really does seem like that's a lot of people want that. There are so many romance dystopian novels. They just want to experience that. That must be their motivation. Um, it is sad that we have these huge organizations that many of us contribute to that can't fill that need, that they need to do something else. And we have another, uh, we have a, a someone like Pornhub, which not mm -hmm. everyone appreciates, mm -hmm. maybe are, may, may come to the, come to our rescue. They could, I'm not saying they're going to. No, hey, to. but there's that possibility, but are all say, the, even the organizations that we contribute to, aren't really budging on that. Yeah, I don't understand that. And so so here's what's interesting about that is that a couple more thoughts. Um, I I realize that there's a demographic that constitutes gun guy. I understand that. And there's a consistency there to a large degree. I know, I know that. It's like, there's like every, every group, if you go to the local baking uh, event, there's going to be a demographic there that's fairly consistent. Everything has its own specifics, right? But I will say that the, the and I, I try to say this in a good way because I, I I'm, not, I'm not trying to be negative, but the white religious guy with the gun, which is the is the is the demographic, and, and I'm not going to say that's not, it maybe still is the majority of gun owning community. But you know what? When it comes down to the conversation of rights, you don't want to define rights based on the majority of a demographic in a specific segment. Um, in range has for quite a while now been very, and I think successful in a good way of of crossing an aisle of having a diversity of what is the new, I don't know, gun culture 3.0 represented. We have a wide variety of people there. And if we can all agree on the topic of our rights, whether they're First Amendment, Second Amendment, Fourth or whatever, then those are allies in that fight. Um, yep. And freedom is more important than things like, than some of these differences, which when you get to know people are often more minor than not. And um, and if we can, if, if, if if we keep going down this narrative of it has to be exactly how I want it, this is what it must be. It has to fit in this box. 
telling you right now, gun rights are dead. We got one generation left and we're over because that's not the future. It's just not. And so um, embracing that. And when I see organizations that could be doing better, doing more things to be divisive than 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 not, um, that's not helping. It's not not helping, not in my opinion. So, um, I agree. Th- but my, my concern isn't that as much as the digital rights issue. If we lose our ability to speak, then things like the 1994 assault weapons ban are givens because communication is the tool that allows us to have an argument in the fight that's different than it was back then and having the broadest audience possible that is, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, is sympathetic to the cause of maintaining rights is also pertinent. And just like what you've said in the past, it's scary how much control and how much power something like YouTube has. And the fact that they're able to change the narrative by deleting some channels and and, and delete our voices. Or deprioritize. And I can tell you Facebook has done that as well. Um, Other things that add into this conversation, which should be alarming, and this is all coming together in a in painting a, a somewhat disturbing picture. And I know that this this all, I'm I'm touching a lot of buttons here. People that are gonna get you that are gonna lose their minds. I know it. Um, I was a big proponent of make sure making sure that we didn't lose regulatory control in terms of net neutrality. And this falls into the same conversation in a different way. And I know it's a private network. It's not the libertarian ideal. I get all that. And 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 but boy, people were heated about this. And nothing has come of that yet however let me paint a picture we lose our net now i don't think that the regulatory controls that we had for net neutrality as humans we're naturally driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed when i was looking to hire someone it was so slow and overwhelming i wish i had used indeed if you need to hire you need indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. ...with the right answer anyway. They were just a stopgap. We need something better than that. And I think it needs to be at a higher level. So I'm not saying the solution that was there was good, but I will say that the person that was pushing for the current solution to go away as the leader of the FCC had a direct relationship to Verizon um, and has recently gotten in some trouble about that. That's sort of interesting, but neither here nor there. Net neutrality protections fall. Okay, fine. You agree with that because you're a, a capital, anarcho-capitalist, fine. And now we see uh, YouTube decides to do what they're doing, but you're okay with that because it's a private organization. Then you see um, Section 230 just recently collapsed, again, under the guise of a moral parade or more, maybe a moral panic. Let me talk about that. Section 230 was a portion of the Decency and Communications Act. I can't keep these dystopian law names, but it was an act that was written quite a long time ago, which was about um, uh, Decency Act of Communications. And this particular Section 230 indemnified the hosting content, the hosting provider of the content on their network, as long as they were not implicitly part of the content. So for example, I host a web server 
and I have 50,000 web servers on my web server farm. And one of the web servers on my web server farm does something that actually is illegal. They become a, um, a store that's selling online methamphetamines. And they, they uh, um, DEA raids my web server farm because I'm hosting a website that has uh, a store selling methamphetamines, a controlled substance on it. And they find out who was running the website and they arrest that guy for manufacture and distribution of methamphetamines. Section 230, as long as I was not knowingly complicit in it, indemnified me as the hosting provider against that illegal content on my network. It said that, okay, I, I just happen to be a utility provider and the content on it is something I'm not culpable for. They just got rid of that. And they got rid of that because it was, and again, the new, the read, the way they got rid of it, what are they calling it? They amended it. Okay, so the original act was the Communications Decency Act. And what they just changed it to is what they did to get rid of it, but they call it a sex trafficking law, SESTA. Um, SESTA stands for Stop Enabling Sex Trafficking Act. I love these names. All right, so that kills 230. They killed 230 successfully. And the idea behind that was that things like Craigslist and Backpage and others were leveraging, and they were uh, leveraging portions of their website under things like the personals ads or the um, private services ad as a sex worker back channel. So they would you, you would use these, these personals sections to um, advertise and solicit for prostitution, acts of prostitution. By the way, the personals ads of Craigslist were not wholly that, they were not. However, portions of it, there were probably code words, things like that. Um, there's, one could argue some of these networks that exist were existed only to be prostitution ads. But regardless, 230 now fell. And the 230 fell because they want to now be able to hold content publish or content hosting providers potentially liable if knowing this, this is in air quotes, that this illegal activity was going on on their site. So what this now means, and this is really interesting, this could be better or worse. This could go one or the other, but what we're already seeing is some really interesting, scary stuff happening. Um, certain websites, content publishing or co content hosting networks are now pulling things down. Uh, Craigslist, Backpage, pull down the personal section entirely. So whether or not you had a legitimate personals ad there or not, guess what, you don't now, okay, that's gone because they didn't want the liability. There was an article that came out today on motherboard.vice.com about, now we're back to prostitution again, uh, actual, not probably, excuse me, back to pornography again, actual like legitimate pornographic actors or actresses or whatever, uh, artists having their private videos they were working on on their Google Drive getting deleted by AI just after 2.30 fell because it may have been unacceptable content on a private Google Drive. Now. Cloud sourced storage is not private ever. Cloud sourced storage is someone else's computer. So when your data is stored somewhere else, it's not yours, it's theirs. However, 230 was what was indemnifying Google from having that content there. So now if they think they see, now these AIs, this, 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 this cyberpunk AI thing that looks at all the content, it's not a human, it looks at it and it sees sexually explicit stuff in the pictures, in the frame by frame of the video, it can't determine if that frame by frame is an adult artist or a child artist or a person that was willingly part of the video or not willingly part of the video. So guess what the safe thing is to do? Delete it. And there was an article today about that very thing happening. Guarantee you, you're gonna see a lot more of acceptable content being mis 
labeled and deleted or omitted or depublicized or eradicated because of Apollo 230. Now, 230 could mean that one other thing, which is this is the positive side of that law changing, that if you are now moderating content and content that should have been moderated isn't removed, you could be held liable. But if content that isn't liable or dangerous is removed, can you now sue them for illegal moderation? So what that does is puts them into a situation of they are no longer a they are no longer a public utility. They are a content provider. And by being the agency of moderation, they have now put themselves into the position of being a content provider versus a utility. This goes back to I think Prodigy was involved in this way back when where Prodigy was moderating stuff and they were there was someone attempted to or there was a legal hoo-ha about them moderating stuff and by moderating the content they were now liable for the content on their network this is like if the phone company were to listen to every phone call and decide the phone call you're making isn't acceptable so we now moderate your ability to make phone calls they're no longer a utility that you expect to be there when you dial they're now the content provider themselves i don't know where that's going but when it's if you take the dots and draw a line and you draw community standards changing arbitrarily all right free speech starts getting kind of scary right then you see the net neutrality thing this could be pretty bad drop down again then you see new policies from youtube the world's largest content distribution network specifically targeting forms of legal content it drops again then you see section 230 fall which now no longer indemnifies content hosts against legal liability it drops down again this to me is a tightening noose and i don't know if you agree with me or not but i don't know how you can at least see my perspective on it i suspect i'm not going to be taking this video down anytime soon at least okay. not today i Fair think enough. i'm going to leave this up because this this is stuff people just need to hear and whether they like it or not Well, I, I, here's what I would say to this. It's like, this is, I, I hope that I'm seen as a person that's very willing to tolerate lots of alternative views and free mm -hmm. speech. So if you disagree with my points, or if you disagree with, for example, some of the stuff I know you're not going to agree with on it, you may not agree with my views on net neutrality. You may not agree with my, my indifference to pornography, because I don't care, honestly. So you may not agree with those things. But that's fine. That's your, absolutely, that's, a, that's how humanity works. But, there but are I would patterns. hope that you would yeah but i would hope that you would take my perspective on all of it in aggregate versus on individual components and at least understand even if you don't agree why i come to the conclusion i come to that's great stuff that's my thoughts so and it's scary it is scary it is uncomfortable it's like you know you go <laughs> yeah, wow yeah this we do a lot of old <laughs> history stuff on on, on in range as well some of it goes back i love tombstone and i look at tombstone all the time and when you go back to tombstone there was like no one had the our ability now to have more speech than we've ever had before is is never been like this on the existence of, of uh, on earth there was always different news outlets and stuff and you went back to the stuff that went back then there was like a democrat newspaper and a republican newspaper frankly the mass media is still the same way right and so they would they, they would fight against one another and they the concept of we think of what now a fair journalism didn't even exist back then they would literally call each other like foul names in the mass media back then and there was there was no attempt at lack of bias it just was bias accepted as such um one could argue that there is no such thing as no bias and we should just realize that right but this ability for every person here that has a voice to be able to make a comment even the even 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 the crazy ones about the reptilians making a strength turpentine 
even that we may as a community decide we don't like that content, but who is it for a corporation and use their arbitrary bias to tell us we should have that conversation or not? They're not the right arbiters we are. You know, if there's content that I don't agree with or I don't want to watch it, guess what? I'm not going to watch it. There's a lot of that Easy. in the world. There's a lot of stuff. And that's unfortunate, though, because this goes, and for me, this goes back to uh, the, the gun debate. You know, if you don't like firearms, just don't use them. Don't buy them. Don't don't be trying to influence my rights, but yeah, it's the same um, thing all over and over again. It's like yeah. it's like uh, it's a uh, there's like I said, there's a lot of content that doesn't interest me in the world, and that's perfectly fine. I get you know, and, and at the same time, yeah, there's a line. I mean, I don't I don't know I don't know that if they're doing something, if they're actively inspiring or act or acts of criminality, that's one thing. But if the content itself is legal. And I know legal is dubious because legal is changes where you are in the world. I get that. I, I'm looking at this from an American perspective, but legal applies everywhere. If it's legal, then who is it for a corporation to restrict it? I, 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 I got a real problem with that. And wait, are you saying it, there might be an agenda? Yeah, I, I, it puts it, it. It you know what? We 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 supposedly have. A, we're not a monarchy here, right? Well, we're making a monarchy of corporations, yeah. or an oligarchy is a better word. But it's like it's like any power unchecked, any power unchecked can get wildly out of control. And it doesn't matter. We typically have three power sources in society, right? You've got government, corporations, and religion. And any one of those wildly out of balance is a wildly dangerous situation. And um, it, it's it's weird that you get knee-jerk reactions about one versus the other. If you say government should be checked people who are of an authoritarian ilk lose their minds. If you say that corporations need to be checked, depending on the situation of the time, free market capitalist types lose their mind. If you say religion needs to be checked, then you have theocratical type people tend to lose their minds. And um, every one of those has people that will promote one of those things. There are people that are authoritarians. There are people that are, that are absolutely corporatists. Um, and there are people that are theocrats. And if you're not one of them when they're the ones that happen to be the ones that take over control that's a dangerous place to be as humans we're naturally driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed when i was looking to hire someone it was so slow and overwhelming i wish i had used indeed if you need to hire you need indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 